church. The church used to be someplace that was reverence, but now it's rejected. The man of God was someone who was respected, but now we are considered renegades. Sunday mornings were set aside for worship, but I'm afraid Sunday mornings now are set aside for softball and baseball. You know, when I was a kid, you never saw a thing scheduled on Sunday as far as sporting events or anything like that for kids. I don't understand when that started or how that happened. Sunday morning should be a time for church, a time for worship. Sunday school attendance was mandatory. Now it's take it or leave it. The Bible was once considered holy, but now it's considered archaic. The church, the local church, has lost its power. The local church has lost its power. It's not that anyone took it, but we gave it up. We, the church, gave up our power over sin to be more accommodating, more accepting, more attractive to a lost world. But instead of maintaining our holiness, what has happened is we have let worldliness creep into the church. The church is broken. And it needs to be fixed by God's grace. Paul in our text was speaking to the elders of the church, as we've already mentioned. And Paul is instructing them to take heed unto themselves and unto the church of God. This tells me, this tells me that the problems that local churches face today do not come from outside, but they come from within. It tells me that the problems that we face in local churches start in our body, in our group of people. And unfortunately, most of it, now y'all hang on for this, most of it starts with the person behind the pulpit. Oh boy, it's quiet in here, Brother Glenn. I must be striking a note somewhere. Because Paul said to do what? Take heed unto yourselves. He talked about grievous wolves slipping in. Grievous wolves now occupy many of the positions behind the pulpit of churches today, yielding the power of God for a worldly position, attractive to a lost world, without any presentation of the gospel message. If churches... If churches are to regain their rightful place in communities, in states, and in our country, it is going to take the local church ousting the wolves and finding real true men of God willing to stand for the Word of God, willing to stand for what is right, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and making a difference in people's lives. Too many churches are broken. Churches are closing down at an alarming rate. Men of God are leaving the ministry by an alarming rate to the point of where many churches cannot find a pastor when they need them. It's a scary thought that men are not being called to the ministry any longer. But it's because we've lost the power 
in our churches. I told the men in our deacons meeting last, I said, the church's strength is not measured in numbers, but it's measured in our ability to send other people out to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility as a church to win people to Christ, to train them and to teach them. And as the Holy Spirit of God touches their hearts, it's our responsibility to send them out to preach the gospel of Christ in other places around this world. We must gain a burden for these things. We must understand that we must take this rightful responsibility that Christ has laid upon us. I'm going to hit the negative here for a little bit to start off, and then we'll finish with the positive. So much for my introduction. We're going to talk about things that will break a church. Things that will break a church. Y'all ready? Number one, gossip will break a church. Gossip will break a church. Now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it used to be a time when we joked about the ladies, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But I'm afraid we're just as guilty as, you know, ladies are too. Us men, we can talk. We can talk. I've met, I've, met, I've met people who are vaccinated with a Victrola needle. I mean, some of, you, some of you youngins don't even know what that is, do you? Uh, ask your mom. They'll explain it to you later. But the problem of it is, is we start gossiping about other people and things going on in the church when we have no business doing that. We, and usually, gossip is normally something that's not true in the first place. And if it is true, by the time it gets around the corner, it's so messed up and exaggerated, it's untrue anyway. Gossip will kill a church. I can take you to church after church after church this morning that's been killed, been murdered by gossip. I can show you preachers who are no longer in the ministry because of gossip. And it's a sad state of affairs, ladies and gentlemen, when we will talk about other people behind their back instead of going to them and saying, hey, there's something here I need to talk to you about and working out our differences, praying with each other, taking care of it, and then going on for the glory of God. Amen. Gossip will kill a church dead. It will stop the work of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden... What happens is God stops moving in the services. God stops moving in, in people's hearts. There's no longer salvations. People aren't getting baptized. There's no changes in people's hearts. And you know why? Because we're too busy. We're too busy trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit by running our mouth about things we've got no business talking about. The Bible calls it backbiting. Glenn, it's quiet in here, man. Am I hitting a nerve somewhere? You think a little bit? 
Folks, I don't know about you, but I want to I want to be in a church that's alive and it's vibrant and it's doing something for Christ. I want to be part of a church that's winning people to Christ. It's training people to do something. I want to be part of a church where when people have a hurt, we pray for them and we share that hurt with them. When someone's got a victory, we share that victory with them because we've prayed and we sacrificed so that they may gain that victory. Folks, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a church that's supporting missionaries, part of a church that's making a difference in this lost and world. I want to be part of a church that's excited, that's glorious, and that's triumphant. And if we keep gossiping, what's going to happen is we will lose that ability to have that kind of a church. Gossip will kill a church dead in a minute. In one church where Jerry and I attended for a short time, uh, it was a young pastor there, and he was trying to get the church back on its feet and trying to get things going again. And, and I taught Sunday school there for a little while. And, uh, a couple came to me one day, knowing that I'd been in the ministry, and they said, Brother David, can we talk to you? And I said, sure. What, what about? What can I help you with? Well, we'd like to talk to you about Pastor So-and-So. And I said, really? They said, yeah. I said, come with me. They said, where are we going? I said, we're going to Pastor so-and-so. Well, well, we just wanted to discuss a situation with you. I said, if you won't talk to him, you're not going to talk to me. Amen. It's that simple, Brother Gordon. It just takes people being willing to say No. We don't have the guts to tell people, I don't want to hear that. And can I tell you, that pastor's still in that church today, and that couple who came to me, are they're still members of that church today. And I can't help but think, Miss Deb, maybe I helped in some small way by simply doing that for them. Well, we better move on to something else before y'all get mad at me and want to shoot me. Here's one. How about unfaithfulness? Unfaithfulness to kill a church. You know what it says in the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. It's our responsibility as members of Grace Missionary Baptist Church to be here. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know why? Because our neighbors around this place, you know what they look for? They know on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, we have service, and they look for the cars to come in the driveway. It's a testimony to our neighborhood of what's going on at Grace. Man, I have hit some stumps this morning. Don't you want to have a good testimony? Don't you want your church to have a good testimony? Folks, unfaithfulness will kill a church. You know why? Because if people see that, if lost people, if our neighborhood sees that people are unfaithful, they'll say, why should I want to go there if their own membership doesn't want to go there? 
Man, we need to be concerned about the people that live in these houses all around us in this neighborhood. But part of that being concerned about them is having a good testimony before them. Man, unfaithfulness will kill a church. Well, if they don't go, I don't reckon I have to go. You see, it all boils down to the point of, is it important enough to you to be there? And if it's important enough to you to be there, I guarantee you other people will take it that it's important for them to be there as well. Let's try this one on for size. You ready? You know what will kill a church quicker than anything? What will break a church? A bad attitude. A bad attitude. Oh, nobody around here got a bad attitude. Oh, hang around for about 10 minutes. Something will happen. In one of my pastorates, a lady came to me one day, and she made this comment. And it broke my heart when she said it. Miss Heidi, my heart broke when she said this. She said, you know, pastor, she said, I like our group of people. And she said, I don't care if it gets any bigger. That broke my heart. You know what that is? That's a bad attitude. Because, folks, I'm not saying we need to to fill the church, but our responsibility is to see people come to church, invite them to church, to allow them to hear the preaching of the Word of God, give them an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And then as they accept Christ, to, to baptize them, disciple them, make them members of the church, to strengthen what we have here that we might do more for the honor and glory of God. A bad attitude will distract that and take away from that. Look here, we should never be a church that doesn't want to grow. We should never be a church that doesn't want to see visitors come to our church. We should never be a church that doesn't want to see the parking lot full. And and you know, it'd be a blessing if people had to hunt a seat. We get up to that point, you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll add more chairs in here. We'll tighten everything up. We'll knock 10 feet off this platform. We'll put more chairs in here. And when that doesn't, we'll put a balcony in here. And if that doesn't work, we'll push the wall back. We'll do something, but for crying out loud, a church should be a growing place where people come, where people experience the love of Christ and they want to come back to. We should be a friendly church, a church where when people come in, we shake their hand, we welcome them, we tell them we're glad to see them, and what a blessing it is that they're part of the service this morning. I mean, when visitors come to our church, they should walk out of here with their arms hurting because they've been shook so hard and so much. How many times I've heard people say, I visited this church and no one in that church talked to me, nobody welcomed me, nobody even was excited that we were there. And it was like they almost treated them like they couldn't wait for them to leave. I do not want grace to have that testimony. I want grace to be, have the testimony of one of the, if, of not one of, the friendliest church in Springfield. That when people come to Grace Missionary Baptist Church, they say, man, that's a great bunch of people down there. They love God. They made me feel welcome. They made me feel a part, and I want to go back. Amen. 
A bad attitude to kill a church. You know what to kill a church? Eeyore complex. Y'all have heard me talk about Eeyore complex. Well, you know, got to go to church again. Oh, here's Sunday school. I got to sing again. Eeyore complex. We don't need an Eeyore complex. We need to have a good attitude and not a bad attitude. But folks, I'm telling you, a bad attitude will kill a church in a heartbeat. You say, well, I'm mad. I got up mad this morning. Then come to church, check it at the door, and pick it up on your way out. But while you're here, have a good attitude. I'm going to say this, and you all can like it or lump it, but I'm the pastor here, and have fun. Amen? Amen. You all voted for me, so here we go. I've been in churches where I heard people say, I don't like that preacher. I don't like the song leader. I don't like the music. I don't like the seats. I don't like the color of the paint or the carpet. I don't like what he's preaching about. I don't like how they sing. I don't like this. Can I tell you something? If you don't like it that much, find some place where you do like it. Because you're not going to rain on our parade. You know what? I like it. And you know what else I think, Brother Leonard? I think most other people like it too. If you, if you just don't like it that much, find some place where you like it. I'm pretty simple in it, Brother Glenn. I mean, why have a bad attitude and come to a church you don't like? Amen. You know what they are? They're goats. They're not sheep. They're goats. You say, how do you know they're goats? Because goats butt. Am I right? Butt preacher. Butt brother Jim. Butt brother Glenn. Butt brother Leonard. Butt. But, 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 but. Goat's butt. We're sheep. We're sheep. I don't need a goat. I can't shepherd a goat. But I can shepherd sheep. You say, well, preacher, that's mean. I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it to try to be a blessing to our church. Amen. <laughs> it ain't fall down yet. Look out, Dennis. <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you all understand? I'm not trying to be mean. But folks, if we're going to keep doing what we're doing, 
These are things that are important that we must remember. These are things that can break a church. Well, let's get on to the good stuff. Let's talk about things. Oh, no, wait, I got one more. <clears throat> I got one more. Colossians three twelve through 14 says this. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, oh, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know something that'll break a church? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will break a church. Look at here. Christian, did Christ forgive you? Did he forgive you? If he forgave you, then what should you do? What did he forgive you of? then what should you be willing to forgive? Amen. You harbor a grudge, unforgiving spirit, it'll break a church. And you know what happens to an unforgiving spirit? It becomes a root of bitterness. I don't want things to be bitter. I want things to be sweet. I remember one time I went to this, this restaurant. It was funny. And it was summertime, and I ordered a glass of lemonade. Fresh-made lemonade, they said. Oh, boy, I sound good. They brought the glass out, and it had ice in it, and had fresh lemonade in it, and the glass was sweating down the side. You know what I'm talking about? Making y'all want something, ain't it? Man, that just sounded so good till I took a sip of it. And whoever made it, guess what they did? They forgot to put the sugar in it. You talk about pucker, son. <laughs> you know what it was? It was sour and it was bitter. It looked good. Man, it wasn't good. Do you all understand? Things can look good on the outside, but be terrible on the inside. And we must be willing to forgive one another. Well, they didn't ask for it, preacher. It don't matter. I don't see that in Scripture where it says they have to ask you to forgive them. The Bible says what? Forgive. Unforgiveness will break a church. Now let's move on to the good stuff. You ready? Things that will make a church. Y'all can smile now. The bad part's over. You can relax now. Things that'll make a church. Number one, Bible preaching. We need Bible preaching. Where is the Bible preaching today? You don't hear it. You don't see it. We need preachers who will boldly declare the gospel of Christ and the truth within the covers of this whole book. We need men of God who will boldly stand and declare its words to a lost and dying world. This book determines our course, our direction, our living, our attitude, our, everything about our life has been determined with this book. And folks, we must be willing to have Bible preaching. 
Well, I don't like Bible preaching. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you if you don't like Bible preaching. You know what I say, Brother Gordon? Give me some more. Give me some more. Lay it on, son. Give me some more. Eat it up. Eat it up. You know why people don't like Bible preaching, Brother Nick? They don't like conviction. That's a truth. Bible preaching will bring conviction on people's hearts. And you know what changes someone's life? Conviction. Man, we need Bible preaching. We need the truths that are to be presented in this book. We need someone who will stand for it boldly. And as we preach the Bible, conviction comes. This is why an invitation is so important in our church. There are so many churches today, Brother Glenn, they don't give invitations anymore. A guy gets up, says a few sweet little things, and he says, well, the Lord bless you and keep you. Be on your way. Brother Jim, what's the good of that if people ain't got a chance to get right with God? Well, I know what it is. Preaching doesn't bring conviction. So they get to the point where they think that an invitation is a waste of time because there's no conviction in the preaching. There's no change of heart during the preaching. And because of that, there's no sense to give an invitation because nobody's coming anyway. Man, we have got to have conviction in our churches. We've got to have Bible preaching in our churches. Conviction brings about, I'll give you the next one. You ready? Repentance. Repentance. People need to repent. We need to turn from our sin. Can I give you an illustration of what a lot of Christians have done? You ready? You know what the word repent means? It means to turn away from. So what's happened is you've had lost people walking along, and all of a sudden they hear the preaching of the gospel of Christ, and they get saved, and then they repent. They turn away from that life, and they start living for the Lord. And then something happens. One of those things I talked about that'll break a church. And they'll go along for a little while, and what'll happen? Something will make them mad, that root of bitterness will spring up, and then they do what? They repent of the repentance. But you know what Christians need to do when they get to that point? You know what I find is typical of the Christian life? Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up again. I fouled up. I made a mess. I said something I shouldn't have. I had a bad heart, a bad attitude. I had something go through my mind that shouldn't be there. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know what I find? That's the normal Christian life. It's just repent, 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 repent. It's the way it is. And it'll be that way till we get to glory. Y'all looking at me like a tree full of owls. But I speak the truth.
Bible preaching, conviction, repentance. You want to know something that will make a church? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. People aren't thankful anymore. We're not thankful for what God's given us. We're not thankful for what God's done for us. We're not thankful for the clothes on our back, the shoes on our feet, or the roof over our head. We're not thankful for our families. We're not thankful for the goodness of God that He's bestowed upon us. We're not thankful for our church. We're not thankful for our our fellow church members. We're not thankful for our preachers. We're not thankful for none of that. You want to know how, well, preacher God hasn't given me anything. Let's pack up and let's go to Central America. Let's go to Honduras or let's go to Guatemala. Let's go somewhere down there like that. And then we'll compare how much you have compared to what they have. And then we'll compare your attitude with their attitude and we'll see who wins. It's not a matter of blessing about how much you have. It's a matter of the goodness of God that He's bestowed upon you. And we're not thankful for these things. You say, well, preacher, I've hit a stump in my life, just a hard time, something going on. Let me tell you something. God knows. He knows what's going on. He knows what would happen if you hadn't hit that stump. He knows what will happen. He knows what will happen after you get past that stump. You don't understand what I'm talking about when I talk about hitting a stump, don't you? Used to be in the old days and they'd clear a plot of ground. They'd cut all the trees off of it and they'd have to plow it up. Guess what they'd hit with the plow? They hit a stump. Then the work was on. Don't worry about it. God knows. And one of these days, you'll be able to sit back and look at the situation now that you find yourself in, and you'll be able to say, you know what, if it hadn't been for that, this wouldn't have happened. And God blessed because of that. You see? We need to be thankful, church. Thankful. You want to make a church? Thank you, Lord. I often thought it'd be interesting if a guy started a new work and he called it Thankful Baptist Church. How many people would go? Yeah, I know. I'm being mean this morning. I'm sorry. I'm going to go through these next couple real quick and I'll be done. Number one, excitement. Excitement will make a church. Don't you love it when people are excited? You know, you know what ain't no fun? You go to a baseball game or you go to a football game and everybody's sitting there. I've never been to a football game or a baseball game like that. You know what people are doing? They're shouting and hollering and rooting their team on and trying to get them to go on. And they're all excited and fired up. And they can't wait to see the next baseball hit or the next touchdown scored or the next pass thrown. They can't wait. They're all excited about that. Man, I tell you what, you want to make a church, you get excited about the things of God and what's going on in the church. Christians aren't. Look at here. Be excited about the things of God. Glorify God. Lift, shout once in a while. Raise your hand once in a while. Get excited about what God's done. 
I'm telling you what, if we don't get excited, people out there, they're dying, going to hell by the truckload. It's because we don't, we're not excited. We don't have any excitement about the things of God anymore. Oh, folks, we need to be excited. We need to be lifted up. We, we just need to get on fire with it, man. I'm trying to think how to say this. I got something I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. And now I'm sitting here going, should I do it or should I not? I'll say it anyway. Brother Leonard told me the other day, and he didn't know it about you, did you? Brother Leonard told me the other day that he was, who are you talking to? I forget, you're talking about the new dynamic of the church and the excitement in the church and everything. And there is, there's a new dynamic. I'm sorry? Larry, yeah. There's a great excitement in this church now. There's an excitement that hasn't been here for a long time. And you know what's starting to happen? Look around. Look around. Man, we got to stay excited. We got to keep focused. We got, I mean, laser focused on what God has set before us to do. I like what one preacher once said one time. He said, every time when I'm preaching and someone says amen, he said, it's like saying, sick them to a bulldog. Folks, we need to be excited about what God has put before us. We need to be excited in our thankfulness, excited in our services, excited in our music, excited in our fellowship, excited in our thankfulness, excited in our family, our church family. Excitement will make a church. I'm telling you, I was so excited. Man, oh, glory to God. Brother Jim, nothing, please don't take this wrong, but Wednesday night, we came to Bible study, and Brother Pete was teaching out of Matthew 24. And I'm telling you what, man, I, I was lit when I walked out. Of, I was so lit when I walked out of that place. I was just so, you asked me, I was grinning from ear to ear. I was so proud of him. You know why? You know why I was so excited? He said this. He said, well, Pastor Dave taught us on Sunday night about rightly dividing. And he said, if we're going to take what he taught and apply, then this is, Brother Pete, you don't know what that did to me. I was so excited, man. I can't tell you how excited I was. I was fired up, man. You know why? I was like a dad watching, a, watching one of his boys hit a home run for the first time. I was excited, man. We got to get that kind of excitement in our church. We got to have it. It'll make a church. Okay. You know what'll make a church? Giving. Giving. You say, "Well, I knew you was going to get around to that." Yeah, you got a bad attitude. Nice building, lights are on, cool in here, right? Water's running, flush the potties when you had to go, right? You know why all that happens? People give. People give. 
giving will make a church. It's funny, when somebody gets mad at the preacher, you know what the first thing is they do? They stop giving. Let me tell you something. I'm not after your money. God takes care of me. Just fine. But can I tell you something? You know who is after your money? God. You know why? Because it shows your heart. Got quiet again, Brother Glenn. It shows your heart. Everybody said, people don't give. It's not a problem of your wallet. It's a problem of your heart. It always is. Last one. You know what will make a church? People. People make a church. If we don't have people, shut the doors and go home. If you don't have people, there's no reason to rehearse. If we don't have people, there's no reason to have this beautiful facility. And if we're not reaching out to people, hear what I just said? If we're not reaching out to people, we must make a church. And people make the church. People need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to pay for our sin. People must hear that Jesus Christ was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. They must know that if they'll confess and ask Christ to forgive them of their sins, come into their heart and life and be their Lord and Savior, that God will save them for all eternity. People must hear the preaching of the gospel of Christ. How should they hear? Unless they be sent. The invitation today is this. If, you're, if you don't know Christ here today, you're unsure of your relationship with Christ, we would love to have someone take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior and heaven's your home. It worked for Brother Dennis. It worked for Miss Nevaeh. It worked for me. It worked for you. You see? That's what I'm saying. People have to hear the preaching of the gospel. And if it worked for all these people willing to testify, raise their hands, say amen, whatever, that the gospel worked for them, you know what? It'll work for you. It'll work for you. It will change your life. It will give you a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it will change your future. It will change your eternity. That's the first part of the invitation. The second part of the invitation is this. Church, let's not break a church. Let's make a church. Amen. Let's forget all the bad things in this, in this that, that can just break us apart. And let's strive to do everything we can in order to make, to make, to make 
the greatest church that we can make, huh, Brother Gordon? Miss Bertha, am I right? Let's do it. Let's have the right attitude. Let's be excited. Let's hear the preaching of the Word of God. Let's reach out to each other, reach out to a lost world. Let's make a church. Let's make a church. Let's repent. Let's get right with God. And let's go on for His honor and His glory. Miss Jeannie, would you come and place? Oh, she's already up there. Snuck right up on me, didn't you? Man, I like that. Let's all stand for a minute. Is this hymn is played? If you need to come, God spoke to your heart. If you need to ask Christ to save you, well, someone take a Bible and show you can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior and heaven's your home. Church, you need to come today and pray. Come up to this old altar and pray.